Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. Okay, so it is now my turn. And I want to say before we start that I have an accidental theme. I'm dying to season. hear what it is. <laughs> and um, it may or may not be a little red man. Oh my God. <laughs> With horns. Claire. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you converting to Satanism? No. I, j- well. I would support your decision, but I'm I confused about that. it. Um, yes. So I kind of pick my cases like <laughs> in this weird way. And I didn't realize that Satan was in both of these for this season. And it just sort of happened. And I'm so sorry, but I'm also really excited. No, so, I I think Satan's interesting. So yes, he's very interesting, <laughs> especially and, like Satan-y murders. Yes, specifically, <laughs> yes, specifically those because they have this like I don't know. They're just they have the added element of like creepiness right. and not really knowing what's happening. And um, I don't know. Satan's a weird guy. I love it. I'm just would never <laughs> expect this to come from you. But I know, I'm, right? But I'm totally down with it. Let's do it. Okay, wonderful. So today, uh, we are going to be talking about the unsolved murder of Arliss Perry in Palo Alto, California, on October 12th, 1974. Corpsewood also kind of takes place around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about the fact that this particular period of time was known as the Satanic Panic, which is a pretty clever name. Cute. Yeah. Um, since we talked about it before and we're going to talk about it again now, I thought it would be a good idea to talk about Satanism in brief. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So here we go. So, um, if we go all the way back to the days of the Knights Templar, we see the first time someone is accused of devil worship. So the Knights Templar is a Christian group and they invaded the Middle East and obviously to prevent people in the Middle East from converting to Christianity, they demonized the Knights Templar and their reason for invading the Middle East. So they said that they were devil worshippers when in reality they were not. So it was kind of like they didn't want the Templars to conquer the area and then convert everyone. So they caused a panic, their own satanic panic in the Middle East. But okay, <laughs> so flash forward to the, the other satanic panic, um, which really infected the nation in the 1980s, um, but it started to uh, brew, if you will, um, in 1974. In a cauldron? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I'm not saying anything. Um, with the debut of a popular role-play game called Dungeons & Dragons. You may have heard of it. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard about it. <laughs> I Yes. I uh, yeah. I don't know anything about it. it, but I've heard about it. Yes, it's it, that seems to be the general consensus is like we all know it's there and then the really diehard fans are like hiding in the corner playing it. And we're like, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Which is cool. I've always thought the game was like super interesting because um you get to like make your own characters and there's like a campaign that you set out to do and you face different things. It's really complicated and interesting. Cool. Yeah. So there you go. Um. So it was really like kids, like young boys that played this game all of the time. And these Christian moms freaked 
out. So Stranger Things. Yes. So Stranger Things <laughs> is that's what I think about when I think about D and D now. I'm like the Demogorgon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that's one of the pieces <laughs> for that game. So that I do know. Um, so. The game debuted, and like I said, moms weren't super happy about it. They said it was a gateway to devil worship. I don't know. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) So much, considering it's about dungeons and then dragons, and then I don't really... Satan's not really in there. Seamless transition. Truly. Yeah. So, anyway, and they started to become so panicked over this, and... um, Panicked, sorry. And... um, (laughs) There actually was an instance of a teenager going missing during a campaign and they were doing the role play and he took it a little bit too seriously and actually left the state. I don't remember what the state was. It was one of the Midwestern states, one of those. And um, he left the state and they it was like this full on search for him and they eventually found him. Um, he was dealing with a lot of other mental issues, though, Um so it wasn't just that the game had caused him to go into a crazy Satan trance and sent him far away. He was just dealing with a lot of things um, in addition to playing the game a lot. Um, one newscast said that D&D was the most effective introduction into the occult since the history of man. Which is... Whoa. I'm not really sure if that's accurate, but... <laughs> Okay. I'm sure that Um, it's not. (laughs) No. So, and also there were a couple different, there was like a string of teenage murders and suicides that were attached and connected through the gameplay. So they were, all of the teenagers and uh, kids that were involved in these um, deaths were all players. And it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, so it's a little inaccurate and a little bit of a stretch, but this is just sort of a picture of like how much people were freaking out about Satan. <laughs> and they were trying to, they were literally, he was just a catalyst for evil. So they kind of like, whatever was evil, they were like, it's Satan. It's Satan. Satan did it. Right. And honestly, I'm like more worried about exposure to the internet right now for kids than I would yeah. ever be about them sitting down, interacting with each it's other, and playing 80s. a board game. There are so many murderers. Like, let's worry about so them many. instead of Satan. I know. Let's worry about, like, the Zodiac, which still, he hasn't been I mean, solved. the 70s. I meant to say the 70s. Yeah, it's yes. the 70s. Yes. Even worse. <laughs> yes. It's just, there's so much happening in the 70s. So, um, also, I just wanted to say that, in reality, there actually isn't an organized re- religion that specifically worships Satan. And I'll clarify that. Um, So modern Satanists, um, as Randy had mentioned in the Corpsewood episode, tend to focus on self-preservation and use the image of the devil as a way to connect with humans' free will. Um, They don't actually believe in any Christian teachings. And because the devil is a Christian entity, they can't actually believe in his existence. So if you believe in the devil, then you have to believe in God because God created the devil. So, yeah. Uh, So the Church of Satan was founded in 1966, and they just used Satan as a way to mock the church, which they found extremely hypocritical and for good reason. So I thought I would talk about that for a minute. Okay, so we've chatted about Satan now. Just gotten to a good Satanistic vibe. (laughs) And Randy, I wanted to see what your opinions on Satan were and maybe like your religious views, because I know that we differ a little bit 
in terms of religion. So chat with me about that. Okay. (laughs) So I am agnostic, which basically just means that you, you don't subscribe to any organized religion, but you're open to the idea that something is out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm like borderline atheist. <laughs> the only reason I'm not is that I think it's really stupid to assume that nothing is out there if you don't know. You know, because yes. yeah, my reason I get that. my reason for being agnostic is I don't have a compelling reason to believe in anything. Right. And by the same logic, I don't have a compelling reason to not believe in anything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a very that's a very reasonable way to look at religion as a whole. So I understand. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like a very spiritual person. Like I do a lot of yoga, meditation, <laughs> all of that. You connect to the earth. Yes. You're there. I just, I mean, I don't practice like Buddhism or anything. Uh huh. I feel, I feel all this, all the good vibes, but um, I definitely support religion and mm-hmm. religious people like yourself. I've seen it used as a tool for hate, especially growing up in the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. And I don't love Southern Baptism, but me either, honestly. <laughs> like, it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite, <laughs> but I mean, if you practice a religion, even if, even like Satanism, not even in the current satanism but like yes what we picture satanism as Uh uh-huh as long as you're doing something that's like not hurting anyone else and it is making you feel better and you know lifting you up and you're you're cool with it then there you go yeah just don't be an asshole about it exactly i love it (laughs) so i guess then i don't believe in satan because i don't really right believe in much (laughs) right yeah because like I said before Satan is more of like it's a Christian thing so if you don't believe in God then you don't believe in Satan so if you do believe in Satan then quid pro quo you believe in God right I mean I'm still like scared of demons (laughs) but yes demons are terrifying (laughs) and if you watch like shows like Supernatural or whatever they're really creepy. Like, at least in the beginning of that show, they're really I've creepy. I've never seen that show. It's kind of cheesy, but I sort of love it at the same time. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Well, I mean, one of my favorite movies ever is The Exorcism of Emily Rose because mm-hmm. it just has Great some, movie. like, awesome trial scenes in it, and it's a scary movie. Like, what else do you want? Right. That's the perfect combination for you, <laughs> especially. And, um, yeah, that story is, like, a real story. So for anyone who's seen it is real it is <laughs> i have like almost covered it on this podcast but it's like really hard to research because yeah it's based on a woman named annalise michael in germany in the 70s so yes it's hard to research yeah and plus like there's so many things going on in germany at that time period so it's their confusing. trial system's a little you know yeah i'm not but. smart enough to understand <laughs> it <laughs> that is not what it is it's just there's not really I mean, if I you, tried. <laughs> is that the, those are the really creepy recordings though, yes, right? Because she, they performed multiple exorcisms on her. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, okay, so like just shorts, like basically what that movie and the real story about is a woman has believes to be demonically possessed and her priest and her parents are in support of exorcism to get mm-hmm. rid of it and they perform multiple and then she dies and yes. she dies of like, starvation and just a whole bunch of other things that right. were just they look very odd from yeah. an outside perspective and so the family goes on trial for her death right and um, in the real like in the real story mm-hmm. the family and the priest are actually found found guilty, guilty of yeah. like i i don't know what the exact charge was but like 
involuntary, I don't know, accidental homicide. I don't know what you would call that. Yeah, some sort of like abuse and yeah, anyway. But yeah. Manslaughter, maybe, I'm not sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a really interesting story. And, um, I I'd never seen that movie and we watched it together and it's pretty intense. I know because I mean, we it was like when we were very first hanging out and I was like, "You're Catholic yeah. and you like scary <laughs> movies and you like court. We have you need to <laughs> see this, this movie. movie for you." <laughs> and it's excellent. I loved the movie. Um, it's very good and uh, I'm all about the controversy with um exorcisms in the Catholic Church because like <laughs> you know I we would talk about exorcisms like we had a session every grade would talk to our um one of the fathers in our church and when we were in 8th grade all we wanted to talk about was exorcisms. Of course. That's because, all I want like, to talk about. <laughs> yeah, because like that's the last grade in that school. And so you're like grown up and cool and you're like, tell me about exorcisms. And so when we would have the little Q&A sessions with one of the priests, we, we talked about it for the entire <laughs> time. And apparently there's an exorcist at the church that I went to, but he wouldn't tell us who it was. It was like a secret. Oh my gosh. And so I was terrified. Because you guys would like harass that person with questions. I no, oh my I would have barraged them with questions so often. I mean, like it's just really interesting. And then of course there's also um the recent disease um that Oh yeah, yeah. That kind of came out of that yeah, story. Yeah. So I you'd probably be better at explaining it that than I would. But Well, I don't know too much about it because I haven't watched the movie or read the book, but mm-hmm. the book and movie Brain on Fire, mm-hmm. it's on Netflix. Um and it is kind of based on the idea that this well it's real it's a real story <laughs> this woman in her early 20s starts manifesting all of these like mental health issues that she never yeah. had and no one could figure out what was going on and, and she was doing some weird symptomatic stuff as well yeah like, it looked like she was possessed yes, by a demon yeah and, so she's flailing around right. just a lot of like temperature drops vocal cord changes um symptoms of like schizophrenia just like a mixture of stuff that's very odd yeah and like that if you were religious you'd probably think you were being I mean, yes. I mean, I'm not even religious, oh, and I just would be yeah. like, what's happening and, to demons inside of me? <laughs> yes, and I can only imagine what the reaction would have been in, like, the late 1700s or even further back than that in the 1400s if someone was manifesting this sort of a mental health issue and they didn't know what it was. They didn't even really know what mental health was. And the church was like the centerfold in everything during that time period. So they would look to the church for answers and all they could do was say, it's a demon. It's a demon. <laughs> I don't know. Because it's creepy. It's like, so that stuff creepy. Is creepy. The way that they act is really, really creepy. Because um, people aren't supposed to bend like that. <laughs> right. And then there's even the multiple, like, um, hearing multiple voices coming out of yes. your mouth at once. Oh, there's like an so explanation scary. for yes, that. But it's very but scary. It also, it sounds like there's demons inside yes, of you. It does. And this one girl says that she has like seven demons inside of her and she lists off yep. all of the demons. So if you want to hear the recording, it is available for people to listen to. So if you're interested, I would definitely suggest looking it up. You should do it. Um, her name is Annalise. What was it? Michael. Annalise Michael. Very interesting case. Yes. And well, so like the end of the brain on fire thing, though, which mm-hmm. probably could surmise is that, yes. that she did ha- like it was all connected to mental health issues that they kind of figured mm-hmm. out because of her. But before right. that, there wasn't a label for it. So they kind of like made a new 
diagnosis, essentially. Basically, but I don't know yeah. too much about that story, so I don't. I might have got something wrong there. But that's my general understanding right. of it. So yeah, so Satan and religion—it's kind of tied hand in hand, right. obviously. And but, even if you're not religious, demons can still <laughs> scare the yes, crap out of you. That's fair. But yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now you tell me about all your Satan thoughts. Well, I'm so okay. So growing up in the church, you you are like just told immediately to fear the devil. That is what they say to you. Like fear of the devil, like the song, like Oh, fear you're of, thinking of sympathy for the devil. Si- thank you. You're welcome. I don't so incorrect. Not I don't have sympathy <laughs> for the devil. Um so yeah, so I was they, like, wait, is this another veggie tale? I thought song? it was going to be no. <laughs> I love the VeggieTales. Okay, so I I just think they're so stupid and funny. Um, Okay. Um, So, yeah. So, they always tell you to be super fearful. And like I said before, anything evil is equated with the devil, which obviously isn't true. There's a lot of people who are actually Christian and Hitler was Catholic, so, like, whatever. And he's, like, the definition of evil. I would say a lot of people, if we had to point out who is evil in the world, I think Hitler would probably be up there on the list. along with like Contender, yeah. Yeah, along with, like, Stalin. He's not super cool either. Yeah. Um, and then There's Satan. so many. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah. So, like, Hitler, Stalin, Satan. That's how it would go. Right. And it's just okay. Anyway. So, yeah, so they immediately teach you to fear the devil. And um, so I can understand where people would be so terrified of the fact that, like, there are Satan worshipers in the United States. Um, and, uh, you know, that was founded on the freedom of religion. And you could practice whatever religion you want, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's interesting to see how people reacted, but I understand why they reacted that way because when I was a kid, I was so afraid of him. Yeah, well, and it also helps to have something tangible to say, like, mm-hmm. all of this, like, evil thing, like, Has all these root. things I don't yeah. understand, there's a reason that I can, I can, like, connect it to something. Like, I can mm-hmm. totally see that being, like, a really good mechanism for making yourself, like, feel better about all the awful things happening. Right, <laughs> and like Randy had mentioned, there's so many bad things happening yeah. at this time. <laughs> So it's just better to put all of that on something that probably didn't have anything to do with it. But he doesn't care because it's not important. So let's talk about some murder now. (laughs) Okay. So we talked about Satan and we talked about religion, which both play a very large part in this case. Um, So it actually is important to chat about it. So anyway, 1974, Dungeons and Dragons, the murder of Arliss Perry. I'm in the zone. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. So Arliss was born in Bismarck, North Dakota, and went to school at Bismarck High School. Um, It was there that she would meet Bruce Perry, uh, and the pair instantly connected, and they started to date while they were in high school. Um, Arliss is kind of like this quintessential American sweetheart, sort of like American pie, pie style, very adorable. She had really good family background. She grew up Christian. She kept really strong t- ties uh, to her faith throughout her life. She was a cheerleader at her high school. She was blonde. She had cute glasses. She was just, like, adorable. Bruce was a really smart guy and had already been accepted into Stanford early into his senior year of high school. Um, he was accepted into their pre-med program, which is really hard to get into, as I've heard. I've never 
thought about being pre-med, <laughs> so I don't know what the rigors are to get into Stanford for that program, but I'm sure they're difficult. And um, Arliss was a year behind him in school, and the two kind of kept up their relationship when he left for Stanford, which is in Palo Alto. Um, they stayed together, though, and um, Arliss ended up going to college in Bismarck uh, for a little bit, and eventually the distance kind of became a little too overwhelming for the couple, so they decided... Um, that they wanted to be committed to each other and they decided to get married. Um, years and years later, Arliss's mom, um, Jean Dykma, so Arliss's maiden name is Dykma. Sorry, I forgot to say that. <laughs> um, would say in an interview that she and her husband, Marvin Dykma, weren't super happy about the marriage, but they supported their daughter. They wanted her to be happy. Um, obviously, there's like North Dakota and California. That's quite a while away so um i'm sure the distance would have been difficult and she's very connected with her family so yeah i can understand the apprehensions but you gotta let people grow so in the summer of 1974 the couple tied the knot and they both moved into the married couple's dorm at stanford university in august of 1974 like i said bruce was on the pre-med track so that kept him really busy and arliss started working in a local palo alto law firm which I approve of. <laughs> and um, just to, like keep herself busy. They didn't need to bring in any income or anything like that. I'm not sure if Bruce was on a scholarship, but they never mentioned money issues. And she wanted to be a homemaker, but they're living in a dorm room. So there's only so much homemaking you can do in a dorm room. Um, so she wanted to get back out there in the community. Unfortunately, she was kind of like not making a lot of friends at the beginning. She was pretty lonely. And she had been so hyperactive in her community back home. She was like, like I said, she was a cheerleader. Um, She was an active member of her church. Um, So this was just like a weird transition into a place that she didn't know much about. So she sent a letter, uh, which was kind of this kind of a sad little little quote here. Um, She sent a letter back to one of her friends in North Dakota, and it said, Friends are hard to find here. Many times I've been tempted to go knock on doors asking if anybody needs a friend, but I guess we just have to appreciate each other and trust the Lord for new friends too. So she was very optimistic, Aww. but she was very lonely and it was just tragic. Okay. So <laughs> just tragic. It's just tragic. <laughs> so um, eventually Arliss would become involved with the Stanford Memorial Church, which is this huge sort of like it looks Byzantine from the outside, and it kind of has, like, a weird, like, Byzantine-style art thing on the, po- the roof. Pointy thing? Yeah, the roof of it. Yeah, so the inside of it, though, is interesting. So you have, like, the Byzantine style, and then on the inside, it looks like an Italian cathedral. So it's, like, this weird, I don't know, combination of different styles, and it's it's, it's stunning. It's a really beautiful building. Um, and she finds a really good group here. So she connects with a Ooh, lot I'm of happy people. happy for her, yeah. I know. It's really awesome. Um, so she starts to feel better about things. And remember, they moved to Palo Alto in August of 1974. And it was only two months later on October 12th that the new beginnings come to a devastating halt. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, I anticipate murder. How did you guess? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the day before, on October 11th, when Arliss was at work at the law office, a few of her coworkers said that she had a visitor. 
They said she was a uh, she. They said he was a young man in his early 20s with blonde hair. They thought it was her husband, but he obviously wasn't. Um, they also said that Arliss seemed pretty upset after the guy had spoken with her. They said that they had had a pretty aggressive conversation that lasted about 15 minutes. Um, we still don't know who this person was um, and if he could have been her killer or maybe like an angry client. Um, but if the other people in the law office didn't know who this person was, I would probably assume that he wasn't a client of the law office. Um, so that happens just the day before Arliss is killed. So on the night of October 12th, there was a lot of foot traffic on Stanford campus. There was a um, it was a Saturday and there was a basketball game and the Stanford basketball team had tied with UCLA for some tournament which was a, what? What is it with murders after important sporting events? Right. This happened with the Suzanne Joven case too, and Angela Samara. Yes, it's and now Arliss Perry. Well, maybe it's crime of opportunity. Is that how you? Is that right? Is that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. If there's yeah, a lot of, yeah, if a, lot a lot of people, people are there, you're feeling murdered. Yeah, and you're and like this. Nobody will notice me because there's inspired. so many people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there were just a lot. There's a lot of partying. So going don't go on. to sport games. Yes, because there's gonna be just like a ton of people everywhere, and you will be killed. Um, we have three <laughs> examples of this. Um, so if you're a woman, never go to sport games. <laughs> That's so terrible. Don't don't listen to me. Um, we're, so, we're kidding. <laughs> we're kidding. This is a joke. Okay. So um, this big tournament happens. They tie for UCLA, which is a other ginormous university in California, and um, there's just like a ton of partying happening on campus. And pr- there had been several other events that transpired over the past couple months um, involving attacks and a couple murders and just some other things that were cause for concern. So we're going to end the episode here. I know we talked about Satan a great deal at the beginning, and we didn't really get into the murder yet, but we will talk about the murder. So, yeah. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for listening. listening.